oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, last Friday the Premier said, and I quote, a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but the Minister and I knew we were on a path that was going to be spectacular and mammoth. End of quote. Well, Mr. Speaker, what's mammoth is the stupidity of the NDP government spending a billion dollars on a new vanity museum that nobody asked for or wants. And I can't help but notice the deafening silence over on the government benches. Now, they're usually so quick to get on social media, but they've now fallen remarkably silent. They're always there to personally attack me. They are very quick on their social media. But I found it interesting that only two, only two NDP MLAs besides the Premier and the Minister have said anything about this museum. Where, where is the chorus of support from the Surrey MLAs, for goodness sakes? Where is the Capital Region NDP MLAs? Why aren't they out on social media celebrating this wonderful billion dollar boondoggle of our Premier? So my question, my question to the Premier is pretty straightforward. Will he listen to the opposition and the overwhelming public opposition and scrap his ridiculous vanity museum project? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It is uh, nice to have a vote of confidence for the cultural sector uh, from uh, the creative sector from the Leader of the Official Opposition today as we're celebrating Creative BC and the creative industries here in British Columbia. Uh, I'll, remind, I'll remind the member because, again, it, it always surprises me that he was a finance minister for a period of time, and had I known his ineptitude on these matters, I would have pressed him harder in question period, but the, the, first, the first record of the Royal BC Museum coming before Cabinet was not in 2017, not 2018, not 2019, it was in 2006 because of seismic concerns. It was revisited again in, it, it revisited again in 2013, again in 2014, again in 2015, and finally, and this is the part that I think is important, Honourable Speaker, in 2017, the then Finance Minister, the member for um, for Abbotsford West, after five visits to Treasury Board, advised the, uh, the Minister of the Day to return with a capital plan for the precincts by September 30, 2017. Now, he didn't make that meeting, Honourable Speaker, but we did. And we took that information. We took that information. And for the past five years. Members. And for the past five years, we have been working with stakeholders. We've been working with people around the province about not just museums here in British Columbia, here in Victoria, but also a Chinese Canadian museum Mem that used members. to be championed by those on that side of the house, a South Asian museum to celebrate the diversity of our great province. And again, I appreciate, I appreciate that the leader of the opposition wants to come in, the guy that gets big things done, and come and start dismantling big things. This big thing, Honourable Speaker, started its trajectory in 2006. And had they taken the effort at that Members. time or any of the other visits to the Treasury Board, we wouldn't be having this conversation because it would be done by now.
Who's asking the question, ma'am? Mem member for Absolute West, wait, wait for your turn, please. Leader of the official opposition, supplemental. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I'm so pleased to see the enthusiastic banging of the desks on the government side because no doubt that'll be reflected in a whole bunch of social media tweets about what a great investment this is of taxpayer dollars. What great prioritization this will be. And I can't wait. I'm looking forward to all those wonderful tweets that'll be coming forward. expensive museum project in Canadian history and in communities like in Surrey South for example they're wondering why one billion dollars on a vanity museum project is this NDP government's priority today of all days on International Museum Day the minister wants to shut down a perfectly good museum that achieves 95% approval ratings from visitors from around the world and she wants to lay off hundreds, the Premier wants to lay off hundreds of employees, shut down this facility, create a giant gaping hole with a chain link fence around it for the next eight years. That's, that's what this government is seriously proposing. A whole generation of school children that look forward to the highlight of their year is when they get to come to the capital and go through this amazing facility the Royal BC Museum, of which we're all so proud. And imagine this, that the tourism sector, that only now, after two challenging, challenging years, are finally getting back on their feet, and what does this government want to do? Shut it down in September, leave it with a gaping hole in a chain link fence for eight years, so that they can blow a billion dollars on a new building that nobody wants, nobody asked for. So my question to the Premier is this. Will the Premier, I'm glad you agree with me, they're coming around, you see, it works, it works. Will the Premier listen to his own colleagues who understand where we're coming from and scrap this vanity museum and start listening to British Columbians who would rather see a billion dollars go towards allowing them to get access to a family physician or maybe even the ability to fill up their cars with the highest fuel prices in North America. Will the Premier do that? Premier. So much material. Well, let, let's, let's just start with the, the doctor crisis, which has been in British Columbia. Not for a few weeks, not for a few weeks, but for a long, long time. Oh, here we go, says the guy who was just doing calisthenics. His personal members might be important, but the rest of British Columbians are wondering why in 2009, when you were responsible for this, you, we had 500, 582,000 unattached patients in British Columbia. 582,000. By 2017, that number had ballooned to 897,000. But here's, here's the catch, Honorable Speaker, and, and I hope that the members on the other side will listen up because they ignored, they ignored advice members. from the, the, the facility managers over at the Rural BC Museum for a decade and a half. But the then Minister of Health said, we're going to have a GP for me. And the BC Liberals cared so much about that program 
that we saw almost a doubling, almost a doubling of unattached Members, and then listen to the when, answer. When, when the member on the other side departed for the development community, the BC Liberals cared so much about a GP for me that they abandoned the whole project and left it on the side of the road for us to pick up as we are with the museum and try and make something of the mess that they left behind. Leader, wait, wait, wait for the chair to recognize. <laughs> Leader of the official opposition, second supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. You know, Mr. Speaker, it is interesting that the Premier does everything tap dancing around all these other fascinating issues without addressing the issue that I keep asking him about, which is his billion dollar boondoggle. Now, he talks about doctors and he but listen this is from oh you you might want to listen to this part members you might want to listen to this part premier because I, I i do believe the premier wants to make sure that we have accurate facts in this legislature i'm certain so this is actually from page 238 of the minister of health's estimates binder i'm pretty certain that that would be accurate and actually what it shows is unattached patients in 2016-17 was 746,990. It's increased by over 200,000 since then, Mr. Premier. That's from your own Minister of Health. But I actually, members, members, you'll have your moment. You'll have your moment. I, I'm coming. Members. But I actually, Order. Mr. Speaker, have this question for the Minister of Children and Family Development, who apparently thinks that she knows better than the parents of autistic children in terms of what their children really need. She has caused incredible stress for the parents of autistic children as they try to figure out how they're going to deal with an NDP clawback of critical individualized funding that allows them to have one-on-one -on -one care for their autistic children. Interestingly, that minister also sits on Treasury Board and presumably was part of the approval decision process for this billion-dollar do boondoggle vanity museum project. So I want that minister to stand up here today and defend how she can strip away funding for parents with autistic children while she votes herself and her colleagues a $20,000 undeserved pay raise and votes to approve a billion-dollar vanity museum project, can she stand today and let the parents of autistic children know why a billion-dollar museum project, a vanity museum project, is more important than maintaining critical individualized funding for parents of autistic children? Well, the opposition knows that that isn't how budgeting works, Honourable Speaker. What we're doing is building a system across the whole of the province that's based on the needs of children and youth. We've heard for far too long from Members. families, from the representative for children and youth, from an all-party select standing committee of this legislature that we need to move towards a needs-based system because too many children are getting left behind. 
As we build a needs-based system, Honourable Speaker, we're not going to leave children behind not being able to access services that are locked behind a diagnosis. We're going to be serving more children based on their needs and we'll be serving their needs earlier. That's absolutely critical, Honourable Speaker, because otherwise too many children, if they're waiting for a diagnosis or if they're unable to get services, are missing really important milestones. And at early stages of that development, that can have a really devastating effect. So, Honourable Speaker, we're building a system to serve the needs of all children and youth with support needs through the province in order to help them achieve their goals and meet their milestones so that they will have a successful developmental journey and thrive. Opposition House Leader. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, to, to the minister that just spoke, uh, what will have a what's having a devastating effect is, is her decision, the minister's decision, to tear down an existing individualized system that parents of autistic children have been pleading with her to not touch. What she should do is she should take that system, the foundation that's there, and she should expand it to all of the children. Now, Mr. Speaker, British Columbians are rightfully angry. They're, they're very angry about the NDP's decision to spend a billion dollars on a vanity museum project. And, and the main reason I think people are angry is that against the backdrop of the affordability challenges everyone's facing, the, the crisis in healthcare and so forth, there are so many worthy projects for the, that a billion dollars could be used uh, to fund. The NDP promised, for example, that the first graduating class of an SFU medical school was supposed to be built next year. That's oh. clearly not going to happen. The NDP could have used a portion of this money uh, to fund that school. Uh, that would be helpful in the, uh, with the crisis that we have in healthcare at the moment. Uh, how about this? Residents in Surrey could get a new maternity ward, which they've now since learned that the NDP aren't actually going to include in the, the, uh, the, the new Surrey hospital. Uh, or, or how about this? The government uh, could fund over 6,000 new nursing seats to address the massive shortage of nurses that we have all over British Columbia. Uh, another good use of, of dollars, Mr. Speaker. But instead, they, they are, are choosing to spend a billion dollars on a vanity uh, a museum project in the Premier's backyard. So will the Premier kill this project, scrap it, do a modest uh, uh, refurbishment if necessary, but scrap this project and invest in priorities that British Clemens actually need across this province? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. The Vancouver St. Paul's replacement project, the business plan was approved by the BC Liberals in 2002. And then they made eight announcements about replacing the St. Paul's Hospital until 2017 when they announced a pre-business plan. Now, I don't know how you go after all that period of time from a business plan to a pre-business plan with the only thing to show for it, a stack of press releases. What are we doing, Honourable Speaker, across the province? We're building a hospital in Dawson Creek. Members. We're building a hospital in Dawson Creek. We're building a hospital in Fort St. James. We're building a hospital in Terrace. We're building a hospital in Williams Lake. 
We're building a hospital in uh, Cowichan Valley. We're building hospitals and schools all across British Columbia because we have the largest Order. capital plan. The guy that gets big things done doesn't want to hear about this. The largest capital plan in BC history, which includes a revitalization of a precious asset that belongs to all British Columbians, where we keep our heritage, where we keep our history, where we keep those things that are precious to all of us, wherever we may live. And the people on the other side of the house don't see the value in that. It's unconscionable, Honourable Speaker, and it explains why the Royal BC Museum came to that Treasury Board eight times and were told to come back with a better plan. Well, they came back with a better plan. They came back with a better plan, and we spent five years five years developing a business plan, and we announced it on Friday. We're proceeding with it because it's a long-term vision for British Columbia. The people on the other side of the House are interested Members, in one thing and one thing only, throwing rocks. We're interested in building British Columbia, and that's exactly what we're going to keep on doing. All across the Opposition House Leader Supplemental. Well, well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. What is unbelievable here is to see just how tone-deaf this Premier has actually become. Totally. To actually think against a crisis in health care that's impacting communities everywhere in the province, to actually think that while we have the highest gas prices ever, highest housing costs ever, affordability challenges that everyone's facing, that now would be a good time to approve a billion-dollar vanity project in his backyard to, to, to build uh, a new museum when the existing one could be refurbished for a much lower cost is unbelievable. That's what's unconscionable, Mr. Speaker. And to do it without a business plan, without any renderings, without any sense of what, without any sense of what, what this project's actually going to look like, other than, as the minister said the other day, it will be, it's an open canvas and we're still working on it. But let's bring it back, let's bring it back to, to, to what real people are feeling around the province uh, to the Premier. Last weekend, Adrian McCauley and her sick newborn son were literally evicted from Royal Inland Hospital, and they were diverted 167 kilometers away to Kelowna. That's because Royal Inland uh, had no nurses available to work in the pediatric weekend for the entire weekend. None. This is what, uh, what uh, Adrienne uh, uh, McCauley had to say. She said, a doctor came in on Saturday to tell her that they would need to be moved. And she said, I quote, the, do the doctor let us know that there was going to be no nurses in the whole ward until Monday, and they needed to transfer us. Of course, we just thought we were going to be moved into another room in the same hospital, but then she let us know that, that there was nowhere to put us, and they had to transfer us to Kelowna. That's what's happening in our healthcare system. That's the backdrop to a $1 billion vanity Damn. museum project decision which this Premier has made. Damn. So again, to the Premier, will he scrap this ill-conceived, $1 billion vanity museum project that he's clearly doing for his, some, something to do with his legacy, I suppose, in his backyard. Will he kill this project and make sure that funding goes to the, source, the, the services and the supports that people need in communities across this province? Here, here. Before the chair recognized the Minister of Health, I asked members of opposition, when the question was asked, the government bench listened, and now it's your turn to be quiet and listen to the answer, because we are grown-up people, we are mature people. Let's behave like that. Minister of Health. 
Honourable Speaker, there was a decision made by the staff, the frontline staff, at the Royal Inland Hospital to close the portion of the maternity unit for good reason last week. People had called in sick and they have obligations to minimum levels of care to keep people safe. And so they were acting professionally and in the interests of all their patients. And so whether this is an appropriate subject to rant and rave about in question period, it's hard to say. The opposition gets to choose its questions, but I would say this. We were last in Canada in registered nurses when I became Minister of Health. We've led Canada in new nurses, Honourable Speaker. The largest layoff of nurses ever, anywhere in British Columbia, ever in Canada, took place in 2002. Who did it? They did it, Honourable Speaker. Who did it? They did it. We just added 600. We just added, well, Honourable Speaker, no nurse, Honourable Speaker, forgets, no health care worker forgets what they did, Honourable Speaker. No. Honourable Speaker, what we need and what we're taking is action, leading the country in leading the country in new registered nurses, adding LPN physicians, adding a health uh, career assistance program that's had thousands of new health care workers, adding 602 nursing seats across the province, breaking down barriers for internationally educated nurses. That's action. All they have is talk, Honourable Speaker. Leader of the third party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. British Columbians are, are making themselves clear that they want government to focus on the basic needs of people, especially when those needs are not being fully met. In the wake of the news out of the U.S. Supreme Court a few weeks ago, all members in this legislature stood to reaffirm the rights of people to make decisions regarding their own reproductive health care. The question of abortion is not in debate here, but the question of access certainly is. There are only a few abortion providers in British Columbia. Most abortions are illegal in the state of Texas. A person has to travel hundreds of kilometers out of state for an abortion, maybe a three and a half hour drive. But if you live on Haida Gwaii, for example, you'll need to travel much further, 26 hours to Vancouver to access abortion services. Members of the government have made it very clear that they support abortion services as part of necessary healthcare in British Columbia, but those services are clearly not equal, equally available to everybody in BC. My question through you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Premier. What is he doing to improve equity of access to abortion services in British Columbia? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Chair, and thank you to the member for her question. I think the, the government is fundamentally committed to the right of choice of women in British Columbia to abortion services. We've demonstrated that and continue to demonstrate that many times. And with respect to the Access to Abortion Act, which people in British Columbia will know, came into force in 1994 and has been used through regulation to expand the protection for abortion services in this community. In terms of access to Miffy Jamiso, where British Columbia led the country and everyone followed in providing that access, access that has meant everything to women in every part of the province who, need, uh, who needed access those services. It gave them access 
and them agency and them control. We led with first dollar coverage at the beginning of my term as Minister of Health in 2017, and we did so in order to give control and give agency to women under those circumstances. And we are going to take, continue to take all the steps necessary to ensure that women have right to abortion services in British Columbia when they need them. Leader of Third Party, supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and I do not doubt the commitment that this government and the minister have uh, to ensuring that those services are available. But the barriers to access are real. If somebody has to travel for 26 hours, the cost of that travel is an incredible barrier. It also coincides with this government's promise, election promise of free prescription coverage, which remains unfulfilled at a time when people need help with affordability more than ever. And this is another example of how this government could help right now. Through you again, Honourable Speaker, to the Premier, will this government commit to ensuring that people in BC have that equitable access, regardless of where they are in the province, to reproductive health care and abortion services in all parts of British Columbia. Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much. And that has been our commitment. And it's made a real difference in people's lives. We don't talk about it a lot. These are uh, issues of importance to women and to individual women as well. We don't talk about it perhaps enough. But the changes that we brought in to give access, for example, to Bimpi Jamiso, have given real options to women. It's seen an actual reduction in the number of surgical abortions as, as women have been able to access Bimpi Jamiso in our province with first dollar coverage put in place before the system was even ready to do it because of our commitment to it. And I'm proud, Honourable Speaker, that other jurisdictions in Canada have followed. They've all followed because it was the right thing to do. Extending, uh, extending access to abortion is important. It's fundamental. It's not just a right. It's not a right if you don't have access to that right. And we're going to continue to engage in policies that protect a woman's right to choose and ensure that they have access to abortion services. Member for Prince George Vailmount. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, as uncomfortable as it might be for the Premier, his priorities are painfully clear to British Columbians. Massive pay raises for himself and for his cabinet, and a billion-dollar vanity museum project that absolutely no one was asking for. The doctors of BC have put out a statement after their meeting with the Premier saying significant additional funding is needed, and it is needed now. Well, instead of funding family doctors, the Premier chose a $40,000 pay raise for himself and a billion-dollar vanity museum project. Shame. So will the Premier listen? Not just to the doctors of BC, but British Columbians. Will he do the right thing, and will he cancel this vanity museum project and actually spend the money that is necessary to fix the ever-growing crisis in health care in British Columbia? Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the Minister of Health and I had a very productive meeting with the leadership of the doctors of BC yesterday to uh, set a path forward for uh, positive outcomes to the challenges they face. The member will know that we are in bargaining with uh, the entire public service, which includes those who deliver 
uh, health services as physicians, uh, whether they be uh, particular services or general practitioners. And we're hard at work doing that. Uh, again, the minister and I had some good suggestions from the doctors of BC, and we set a path forward. But we all agreed, and, I, and I'd like to reiterate that I, I know we on this side of the House feel this way, is that if we're going to address the challenges of healthcare that have become glaringly obvious as we've come out of a global pandemic, we need the federal government to be partners in healthcare again. The Canada Health Transfer has been the fundamental issue on the table for premiers for the five years that I've been in this job. It continues to be our number one issue, and we are engaged with the federal government on that matter at this very moment. And it's interesting that when uh, the leader of the opposition was the Minister of Finance, he was singular, the only voice across the country that stood up when the Stephen Harper government reduced transfers of health care dollars from Ottawa to the provinces. The only one that stood up and said that was a good idea. That might explain the pictures with Max Bernier. That might under explain the, the issues that he's bringing forward now. Completely disconnected to the reality of providing the services for people. Providing services for people require capital or massive investments into the infrastructure, and that's what we're doing. By asking the federal government to sit at the table with premiers right across the country, the issues in PEI are not dissimilar to the ones here. The issues in Saskatchewan are not dissimilar to the ones in Manitoba, and only, only a federal government that's focused on a new vision for health care can get us out of this mess. I'm hopeful that they'll join with the rest of us and get on that as quickly as possible. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. One of this Premier's biggest election promises to Surrey was to eliminate portables in the first few, f four years of his mandate. Not only has the number of Surrey portables increased by 10%, but the Premier decided Members, to put a billion dollar question, museum vanity project. Members, order. Member. The Premier decided to put a billion-dollar museum vanity project in his own backyard instead. You could build at least 12 brand-new schools in Surrey with $1 billion. There are 250 seismically unsafe schools today, including David Branken in Surrey. For $1 billion, this government and this Premier could seismically upgrade half of those schools to protect our children. And a billion dollars could easily rebuild Lytton. But instead, it's been a year, and people are still prevented from living their lives. We've received a report that the local Lytton Museum needs funds to rebuild and has received zero financial support from this NDP government. With all of this, why, why does this Premier have money to build a billion-dollar vanity museum project, but not Lytton's museum? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I'll forgive the member for not having a clear understanding of the record of her party when they were in power uh, because she wasn't here. But um, when it comes to seismic, when it comes to seismic members, upgrades, Honourable Speaker, we've been members, busy, busy, members. busy. And when it comes to building schools in Surrey, we've been busy as well. And I, I welcome the Leader of the Opposition to return to leave Vancouver, Quilchenna, and to go to Surrey South and visit the new secondary Order. school, the first one built there in 30 years.
the balance quotient period.